rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine and I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. I am yours, and you are mine. Here I am to worship, here I am to love. 
glad you're here. I'm glad you've chosen to be with us this morning and worship with us, and we hope that you are uplifted and are glad that you have chosen to be here. God really blesses us when we get to gather together, and we are thankful that we are able to do that safely, and we are thankful that those of you have chosen to be here and those that are online with us. If you're visiting with us, we're particularly glad you're here, and we hope that you'll give us a chance to get to know you say hello afterwards and that you might stick around and uh, join us for class as well and uh, we would encourage all of us to hang around for that it's a great way to get to know and get plugged in with this congregation a lot of things going on here to that end if you'll check in all you members by texting the word check in to the number on the screen 469-476-5331 that'll let us know you're here and we'll get you a copy of the bulletin where you can see all the things that are going on. Particularly, you'll see lots of activities for opportunities to volunteer. Um, you'll see things that are, we are supporting in the community and throughout the world, and it'll also give you a list of the prayer needs, and we would hope that you will uh, join us in praying for all those and all those needs as well. There's a couple of things that I want to point out. One is another volunteer opportunity, uh, and it's a great outreach. It's Pumpkin Fest. It's coming up on October 23rd. It's gonna be on Saturday the 23rd from 5.30 to 8 p.m. It's gonna be here on the parking lot. It's a free event. It's, great, uh, it's a great opportunity for us to get to know the community and for them to get to know us, and hopefully to get to know Jesus through this church. So we would encourage you to go to the website, look at the details, but there are a lot of ways to easily get involved in that. Whether you want to come volunteer to clean, set up or clean up, if you want to bring baked goods, you want to bring candy, you can decorate your car, uh, hand out candy to the kids. So check that out. We would really encourage you to get involved in that. They need lots of volunteers. Uh, and you can check in with uh, Rebecca Sutton as well if you need more details and talk about it uh, in person. This church is an incredibly benevolent church, and a few weeks ago we gave you the opportunity to express that by giving to um, the Village of Hope Preston Crest House. It was in great need of repair, and we looked for $33,000 to do the necessary repairs that have gone unrepaired for a number of years. As usual, you stepped up, and we have received over $50,000 to date. So um, it's an amazing benevolent uh, expression of love and they will do great things with that. They'll be able to fix the Preston Crest house and do a lot of other repairs as well. Today's the last day to give if you weren't able to do that so be sure and uh, take advantage of that opportunity. You can go online and do that or you can give uh, your donations to any of the elders here. But thank you. Thank you very much for uh, participating in that. They will be blessed as a result of that. This morning as we begin our worship I want to read from Isaiah 28. Verse 16, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Let's pray. Father God, we are so very thankful to be called your children. We thank you for loving us the way that you do. Father, we rejoice in knowing that you are our God and that you have provided us such a clear path to salvation, Father. And we thank you for your unending love and your unwarranted grace that you willingly offer to each and every one of us. Thank you, Father, for this body of believers at Preston Crest, and we thank you for the way that they minister to this community, the way that they give so 
graciously and father we thank you for each and every soul here and we pray that you will bless each and every one of us in, in our walks father we thank you for their common faith in you for the commitment to serve others in so many ways and for the love of one another that enriches each of our lives and helps us along our walk and father we pray that you will continue to bless us and but we thank you for the countless blessings that you already provide. However, we recognize that there are so many blessings, there are so many needs. In a church this size, there are so many ways that we need to pray. Father, you know each and every one. We lift up each of those to you. This morning, I hate to list names of each and every one that needs prayers, but we specifically list up, lift up Diana Ramsey. And we pray for her and mm -hmm. Joe, and we pray that you will be with the doctors that are tending to her needs. And Father, we know that you will wrap your arms around her in a way that you see fit, and that your will will be done, that you will provide the comfort and the healing. We pray that you will be with all those who need healing, whether emotional or spiritual, whether physical or in whatever ways. We pray that you will comfort them and those who have lost loved ones. Pray those that are dealing with job security issues. We pray that you'll be with those that are dealing with loneliness and you'll provide them comfort. And we pray that you will be with each and every one of us in our spiritual journey. Now, Father, I pray that you will bless this worship. You'll bless the prayers that are offered, the songs that are sung, the communion that we share, and the study of your word. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his holy and blessed name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, Don. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I
sing one more song as we enter into our time of communion this morning. Then Chuck Jennings is going to come and lead us around the bread and around the cup. In
Good morning. In 1863, the Civil War was raging on when a small town in Pennsylvania decided to open a military cemetery to commemorate an important battle that had been fought nearby. They invited Edward Everett, one of the leading public speakers of the day, to give the very formal speech that would be expected at an occasion such as this. It could last anywhere from one to two hours. After Everett's speech ended, the applause indicated that it had been well received. He was indeed a master orator. Everett then turned the proceedings over, back over to the master of ceremonies who announced that the President of the United States was in attendance and he wanted to say a few words. The tall, thin Abraham Lincoln then made his way to the podium, spread out two pieces of paper, and he began to speak. Four score and seven years ago. Lincoln's very brief remarks that day turned a cemetery dedication into a great historic moment. Edward Everett's speech was ultimately forgotten by many of those who were in attendance that day. It strikes me that there may be some parallels between the Gettysburg dedication and our worship service. Very appropriately, we spend a lot of our worship time singing, even more listening to a sermon. During the course of the service, we have a short ceremony that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. An uninformed visitor might assume that the short ceremony is almost an afterthought, maybe not that important. Yet, we all know that of all of our worship activities, the most central to our faith is the Lord's Supper. Just like those at Gettysburg that day who ultimately forgot Edward Everett's speech, we may forget the details of a particular sermon or the words to a song. But we must never forget what Jesus has done for us. It is the greatest moment in history. Communion is certainly not an afterthought. Our preaching is so important and necessary. Our singing is wonderful and pleasing to God. But it is only the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that brings us our salvation. Let us pray. Our dear and most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his time here on this earth for his teaching and his example for how we are to live our lives. But most of all, we thank you for his willingness to die on the cross so that your plan for our salvation might be fulfilled. Bless us now as we remember and honor that sacrifice 
by taking this bread, which represents his body. May we never forget. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we turn now to this cup, which Jesus shed because we are all sinners. He suffered and died even though he himself was sinless. We pray, Father, that we may always treasure this special time in our worship service when we can pause and examine ourselves and measure our lives against what he did for us. Bless this cup now as we take it and remember. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. Good to see you guys here today. 
Uh, thank you, Chuck, so much for that. I got here early this morning. Steve Hayes was out there putting our cups out on the tables and getting everything ready, and we just talked for a couple of minutes about communion and just about, you know, the mechanics of communion are one thing, but the purpose and the meaning of communion, of spending time with the Lord, spending time connecting with the family. I appreciate your words and reminding us that that's really why we're here today, to remember Jesus, to thank Jesus, to worship Jesus. Uh, if you want to give, uh, by the way, amazing giving here. Thank you for your response on that world care. Uh, this is a giving and generous church. If you want to give this morning, there's the boxes out in the foyer. There's also a little box on the website that you can click and give that way or use church teams. So many good works of this church. Some of them building up disciples here on our campus. Some of them uh, bridging a gap to our community and let's pray about one of those right now. God, I just come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm so thankful for all of the good work you allow us to do. One of those, Father, we've already been reminded of this morning, Pumpkin Fest. Uh, on one level, it's just a big party and a lot of fun. On another level, it is loving our neighbors, building relationship with them, getting to know them, and showing hospitality to them. I pray that you'll continue to bless this ministry and bless the community around us through, through Pumpkin Fest and through ministries like it. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Preston Crest. My name is Bobby Keys, and I just wanted to tell you all about something that my family and so many others have been involved with here at Preston Crest every fall. Pumpkin Fest is an outreach event like no other. It is truly epic. Imagine a night where 1,500 of our North Dallas neighbors, young and old, come to hang out with us on our property for an evening of food and fellowship, fun and games. So many in our community have a real appreciation for the way our church family works hard to put on such an amazing event. I just want to thank you, Preston Crest. To make this massive block party happen, hundreds of you have given your time, your treats, and your trunks. Jesus called us to love our neighbors. As we laugh and play with our neighbors, we get to know them and we build bridges into our community. Thanks for your generous gifts that make events and ministries like Pumpkin Fest happen. Always a great time. Church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church right now. And let's sing this chorus of Blessed Be Your Name as Gordon's preparing to come back up and share with us this morning. Every blessing you pour Thank you. 
Amen. By the way, as, as Don mentioned earlier, we do need a lot of volunteers. We need a lot of help to make this event happen. And uh, you guys who've been part of this before, a lot of you have. Uh, the Pumpkin Fest, you know where to go. Just get on the website and click on Pumpkin Fest right there on the front page. Follow the prompts. If you're new here, we'd love to have your help as well. Uh, last year, we didn't know if anyone was going to show up. It was in the middle of the pandemic. And we're like, I don't know. I guess we'll just do it. And uh, we had our biggest pumpkin fest ever. We had over 1,600 people on our parking lot. It was amazing. And so this year, who knows what the Lord's going to do. But uh, word is traveling. Uh, more and more people are showing up. So we could use your help. Uh, I always enjoy my time here. It's just a lot of fun being here for pumpkin fest. So what do you say to someone who's overworked, who is overwhelmed, who's exhausted? What do you say to someone whose tank is just empty? Jesus once spoke to a group of worn out people and this is what he said, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. I'm humble, I'm gentle in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We started our pause series a couple of weeks back. Grateful, by the way, for Jacob for bailing me out last week. It's good to have someone you can text at 1.11 in the morning, and they'll on short notice, preach for you. But we started a couple weeks ago our pause series, and we have been talking about a, an important principle, I mean, something that's built into us since the beginning of time, the rhythms of work and rest, of play and purpose that God has built into us and respecting those. And so, the Sabbath commandment, which comes along later, the first Sabbath day is right there, Genesis 2, verse 1, where God rested, where he took a Shabbat, a pause. But the commandment comes along centuries later. It is the fourth commandment. If you're following at home, the first four commandments in those Ten Commandments are vertical. They deal with your relationship with God, your connection to your Creator. The final six commandments are more horizontal community commandments, respecting others, caring for others. And so this fourth commandment is about taking time each week to unplug and to reconnect God. It was given to this mass of people who had just been liberated from slavery, who had just been released from captivity in Egypt, and who were on their way home, who were on this journey to the promised land, and God gave them this commandment, which is really a gift, because He knows we need it. He sees us. And he invites us to rest. They had lived for centuries in a land surrounded by false gods, by idolatry. And the Sabbath reminds them, you don't worship the gods of this age. 
You don't worship the gods of the culture, the idols that everyone else worships. You worship God. And so it's built in each week, this turning to God and making sure that my life orbits around the one true God, not the false gods of my country. By the way, our country... If you were to start to list the pantheon of false gods, by the way, false gods are usually like good things, like needed things. I mean, like, you know, food and beauty and things like that. They're not bad things, but they get in God's place. In our country, we can begin to idolize work and achievements and money. It's easy for, for us to crowd God out to begin giving our affections over to some of these other pursuits. It's easy on a Sunday morning to find a thousand things to do rather than getting everybody loaded up and coming in to gather and worship. Those are easy things. And so it's important for us to pause in a place like this and gather around the Lord's table and worship and hear from His Word. Did you know, here's a little did you know, Did you know that on planet Earth, of all of the industrialized nations, there is only one developed industrialized nation in the world with no legally mandated annual leave? Like the federal government in the U.S. does not require businesses to give days off. Not a requirement. Here's a chart. You got France over there on the left. These are days a year that the federal government mandates in in holidays and vacation time. Uh, uh, An employer must provide, like for France, there's 31. You go all the way to the right. The lowest number there is Japan with 10. Wait, there is a lower number. It's us. Zero. (laughs) Because we are workers. We're Americans. We're pull ourselves up by the bootstrap. Work a little harder. Make it happen. Captain of your own destiny. That's who we are. And on one level, I love it about us. It's one of the things that makes America great, that we love to work, that anything is possible, that we achieve great things. On the, on the other hand, maybe it says something about our culture, about what we worship about what we value. Maybe it tells us something about, well, there's nothing more important than success and wealth building. And so along comes this commandment, the fourth commandment. It is one of the more subversive commandments of the Ten Commandments. It comes along and it helps us with a radical recalibration. And so people who are enslaved by their jobs, by their schedules, by their agendas, by their to-do lists, by their responsibilities, are compelled, if they submit to God, are compelled to take time off regularly and not work. And remember from whom all of their blessings come. And, if you will, waste a day with God. 
Theologian Walter Brueggemann wrote, by the way, this is kind of a big, long, run on sentence, so pay attention. He's got good stuff to say here. <clears throat> he says, I've come to think that the fourth commandment on Sabbath is the most difficult and most urgent of the commandments in our society because it summons us to intent and conduct that defies the most elemental requirements of a commodity-propelled society that specializes in control and entertainment. Bread and circuses, along with anxiety and violence, Sabbath becomes a decisive, concrete, visible way of opting for and aligning with the God of rest. Opting for and aligning with the God of rest. Now, it's easy to get wrapped up in procedures, in rules, in technicalities, in specific guidance about the Sabbath or about your daily Bible reading or about this or that or the other thing. But what I want to remind us today, and I believe we're going to see this this morning in the teaching and the person of Jesus, what I, remind, what I want to remind us is that when it came to the Sabbath, Jesus prioritized principle over procedure. In fact, basically, when Sabbath and Jesus collide throughout the Gospels, that theme pops up virtually every time. Principle over procedure. Found out uh, probably last week what a plimsoll mark is. Like a mark, a plimsoll mark. Thought I would share that with you. I doubt if very many of you people have heard the story about where that came from, what that is. It seems to be relevant. It, it, the origins of the plimsoll mark come from the mid-1800s in England, where for the very first time, shipping companies were able to purchase insurance for their ships, for the freight on those ships, Okay. Here's what happened. Unscrupulous, greedy shipping magnates would over-insure their ships. And then they would overload those ships so they were sinking way down into the water. Like just totally overloaded. And they hoped, they actually hoped that those ships would hit a storm and sink. So they could collect that money. Because the insurance policy was worth more than that ship. And more, worth more than the freight on the ship. And so the nickname coffin ships began to be used of these heavily loaded vessels. Because they would sink so often. And so many lives were lost. Plimsoll. British politician who was infuriated by this practice of putting product over people. And so he worked for several years to solve this. 
He fought, and under his leadership, Parliament finally acted. And so from then on, and even today, if you've seen like a big container ship or even a cruise ship, you'll see these markings just around the waterline. You've probably wondered what those are. Those are plimsoll marks. If a ship is too overburdened, if it's too low in the water, the shipping company will be fined. They'll get in trouble. It's regulated now. What happens when we get overloaded? What happens when our burdens are too heavy? Where's the safeguard? Well, Sabbath day comes along. And it's kind of a plimsoll mark of the soul, isn't it? It, 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 It's God's way of putting us in this check and balance where we live the way we were designed by him to live. We work, yeah. We work hard. But there's time scheduled to enjoy the rhythm of rest that he wired into us. Because God loves us, God cares about us, and he knows how easily we get overloaded. How easily we get wrapped up in our responsibilities. And Sabbath is about making sure we don't lose touch with our creator, the one we worship. And that we get the rest that we need. There are two overarching purposes for the Sabbath. They are rest and reconnection or recalibration. Those are the two purposes of the Sabbath. Um, We rest from work because we need to rest from work from time to time. We need, and maybe you're at a point where you get to do that. Your business is running on, on, on rails right now, but you remember that your employees, they need to rest. And so it's a time when we rest, we recalibrate our inner life around the Lord through prayer, through reflection, through gathering with his people. These are the basics of Sabbath. Plimsoll line for the human soul. So is it Saturday or is it Sunday? I got this question from a couple of y'all within the last two weeks. Is it for Christians, is it Saturday? We know for Jews it was Saturday. I mean, it starts sundown Friday night goes until sundown on Saturday night. We are in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood here, and you see the rhythm change in our neighborhood comes sundown on Friday night. You see it happen. So is it Saturday for us or is it Sunday? Well, there's, there's a, a long answer and a short answer. The short answer, it's, it's Sunday for Christians. It's Sunday. Uh, there's quite a bit of early church evidence. There's some pretty good New Testament, like biblical evidence as well to support that it shifted from Saturday to Sunday. Book of Revelation, Sunday is called the Lord's Day. It's the day of the week when Jesus was resurrected throughout the New Testament. You see that become the pause, that become the Shabbat for the people of Jesus as they would gather in homes, as they would gather in in the temple, in the synagogue to worship So the short answer is it's Sunday for us. If you want references, how about Acts 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, the first day of the week they gathered, the first day of the week. That was a change in rhythm. The longer answer is 
Sunday or Saturday? It depends. That's the longer answer. Because what the New Testament reveals to us, starting with Jesus, is that there is flexibility. It's the principle that matters, not the the day of the week that you circle on your calendar. In fact, Paul wrote this in Colossians about this and other related issues on days like this brother or sister honors this day and does this and this one has this Sabbath day over here. Who's right? Who's wrong? We need to decide that. No, we don't, Paul said. He said, don't let anyone condemn you for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. These rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. Who's the reality? It's Jesus. The reality is Christ. And so Scripture warns us, Paul with his pen warns us here about an over, against an overemphasis on the rule keeping, on the procedural penalties, on the flags that people were throwing there. He urges flexibility. He does the same thing in Romans chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. He says, hey, one brother, one sister, they're going to do what they need to do to connect with God. Don't worry about them. You worry about you. Make sure you're doing what you need to connect with God. There was flexibility there, and as it turns out, um, not much has changed in 2,000 years. Religious people sometimes, or a certain kind of religious person, doesn't really like the flexibility thing. They're more into rigidity. And we see this with Jesus and the Sabbath throughout the Gospels. John chapter 5, Jesus was working on the Sabbath in this, on this occasion, there was a paralyzed man. He could not walk. And Jesus publicly, in front of everybody, on a Sabbath day, healed him. He's up. He's walking. He's good as new. And the authorities did not like it. He was working. He was healing How dare he? People over procedure. Jesus was unapologetic, and it got him in constant trouble. A woman with a disability showed up on a Sabbath day at a synagogue. Jesus healed her. She had been sick for 18 years, chronic, never going to get better. Everybody had given up on her getting better. Jesus healed her. The synagogue ruler was angry about it. Luke 13, the ruler of the synagogue, indignant. Think about this. Just think about this. Indignant. Mad. Why is he mad? Because Jesus had healed On the Sabbath, he said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. So he's going back to the beginning, first principles of Sabbath. There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on one of those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. Are you kidding me? In misery, For 18 years.
and they blame her. Jesus was working. He was healing. She was working because she is essentially going to the doctor. It's just you're going about your business. What are you doing? (sighs) Wow. Like if you need healing Monday through or Sunday through Friday, I guess, if you're Jewish, not on Saturday. Does that sound right to you? Does that sound... Does that sound messed up? It did to Jesus. He rebuked that leader and others who were nodding their heads saying, yeah, that's right. He said, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger, lead it away to water it? I mean, are you... Are you going to let your ox or your donkey get dehydrated and fall over? Or are you going to take it to water? Sabbath day, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever day of the week. And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham whom Satan bound for 18 years, ought not she be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? By the way, there's no answer to that one. (laughs) As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. So we're getting a picture of this, of this mess that had formed around Sabbath procedures about how the gift of God, this fourth commandment, which is a gift of God, uh, of rest and reconnection, how that gift had become, instead of an unburdening, it had become a double burdening because there were so many rules about how you unwrap the gift. Dozens of rules. Don't use those scissors. Don't tear that way. Start here. There were so many rules about this gift. It was hard. You can't even heal someone. You can't help someone. You can't serve someone in a moment of crisis because you might be working. Historically, Around the time of Jesus, there were all of these oral traditions and rules, and, and later they got written down in something called the Mishnah, this book of rules. By the way, in this book of rules, there are <laughs> 24 chapters of rules about the Sabbath. 24 chapters of rules. Your straw mattress Okay, your straw mattress, if you need to fluff it up, I guess the straw mattress needs to be fluffed time and again, if you need to fluff that mattress up, you may not use your hands to fluff it. You can fluff it with your body. I guess you can kind of, you know, bounce into it a little bit. If you've got a toothache, I mean, we're just getting into how detailed these rules are. If you've got a toothache, I had a toothache last week. Wasn't why I wasn't preaching here, but I did have a toothache. If you have a toothache, you may not apply, you, you may apply medicine antiseptic. I think literally it's vinegar back then. You may apply vinegar directly upon the tooth. That's not considered work. You may not gargle the antiseptic. That's work. You're breaking the Sabbath. And today, you know, depending on what 
Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, conservative, reformed, what kind of Judaism you practice, um, you're, you're likely not able to flip on a light switch. You know, have those on an automatic timer on the Sabbath. You don't flip a light switch. If you've been over with us to Israel before, you know that on the Shabbat, the elevators and the hotels and the tall buildings, you, you can't push the buttons in the elevator on the Sabbath day. That's work. So the elevators just go to Sabbath mode, Shabbat mode, and they stop on all of the floors going up and coming down. Um, I read recently, so during the pandemic, um, a section of the rabbinical community in Israel has decided, you know, they've got these, to, to go visit someone at a hospital on a, on a Sabbath, or to go visit any time in the hospital, they were taking temperatures for a while at the front, like they were doing in a lot of places, taking temperatures, making sure nobody had a fever that was coming in to visit somebody. They determined that to take someone's temperature, to use one of those thermos, take their t- that was work. So couldn't do that on the Sabbath. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I, I honor dedication and reverence and all of that that's represented there. It's just that you can kind of see what Jesus was up against. How hard it had become to do good or to receive good. How something that was a gift became something else, right? Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath... Jesus was going through the grain fields, so just walking out through the fields. As they made, so he's with his disciples. As, he, as, as they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain. They were hungry, wanted a snack. You know, there's some grain. Let's just pop that in the mouth. Well, scribes and Pharisees around there are looking at that going, they are harvesting grain. They have essentially become laborers in the field. <laughs> okay. Why are they doing, the Pharisees said to him, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Normally at this point, you would think maybe you would try to smooth things over, you know, answer them in a way that kind of helps them understand. And, you know, this is, think of it this way. Jesus just makes them angrier. He said to them, have you never read, do you not know your Bible? Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry and with those who were with him? How he entered the house of God, the tabernacle, in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence. That's like coming in and snacking on the communion supplies. Like I'm hungry. I need some juice. I need some, I need some sustenance. Good luck with that if you're trying to snack on these, right? But how he entered there, they were hungry. He said... And they they ate that stuff. And and verse 27, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Think on this. The Sabbath was made for you. For man. Not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus revealed something. He goes back to the beginning. The Sabbath is for us. The Sabbath serves us. Not the other way around. And how scandalous. He pulls a story out of David breaking the rules. Really. He broke the rules. Like he was, that, that, that showbread, that bread of the presence, that was for the priests. 
And David grabs it and he's eating and he's handing out to his men because they were starving. And Jesus shared this with people who put procedures over people. Now, we have to be careful. This is not an invitation to play fast and loose with Scripture. This is not an, an invitation for you to make the rules. This is just a reminder of what really matters. You know, Jesus would say, all of the commandments and the prophets hang on two things. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. It all hangs on that. Jesus is reminding them of what matters. The principles over the procedures. The, pr the procedures, whatever they may be, should serve those two things. Helping people to love God better, more, helping them to love their neighbor better, more. And it's probably a good thing to remember also what Jesus said, the Son of Man is what? Is, is Lord of the Sabbath, commander of the Sabbath, rules the Sabbath. Um, because think about it, who was it in Genesis chapter 1 who worked six days and took the seventh day off? Who did that? God did it, more specifically, Jesus, who is God, did it. Jesus created the world. Jesus rested at the beginning of time. Colossians 1, 15 to 16, he, Jesus, is the, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. Anything that got made, anything that got produced, anything that went through that, that divine assembly line and, and showed up in our universe, he did it. In heaven, earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So, yeah, he's the boss. He's Lord of the Sabbath because he's the one who came up with it. He gets to decide what the Word of God intends because he is the Word of God. John 1 verse 1. So let's get back to the practical. Do you have these plimsoll lines visible in your life? Or are you so burdened? Are you sitting so low in the water that there's none of that is visible? All that's visible is the freight that you carry. Do you have regular pauses built into your life to reconnect with the Lord, to reconnect with your community? And if not, will you take a stand against the false gods that enslave you? The worship of success and money, will you take a stand against those by taking time each week to intentionally work little and worship much. Professing dependence on the God who takes care of you, who gave you life, who saved you through the death of his son on a cross and the resurrection of Jesus, the one who brought you from freedom to slavery, will you pause regularly to remember that, to connect with God as an act of defiance against the gods of this age 
and dependence on the one who made you and who loves you best, will you build these sacred rhythms of Sabbath into your life? This morning, it may be time to come to that one who invites those who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, Jesus said. Are you ready to come to Jesus and declare him Lord of your life and turn your burdens over to him? Be baptized in the name of Jesus. You talk about a burden lifting as all of your sins are washed away, are taken off your back. Jesus paid the price for you to be set free. Will you come to him today? Let's stand, let's respond as we worship together. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I Thank you, Gordon. We appreciate that. Thank you, John Scott, for wonderful singing, and thank you all for participating this morning. As we close, um, I want to remind everybody to, uh, if you get a chance, attend class this morning, and then come back tonight at six o'clock, continuing our series on encounters with Jesus. Gordon will bring be bringing our lesson, and we uh, we look forward to seeing you then. If you will now join me in this take-home verse, let's read from Hebrews four nine through eleven. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. All the church said, Amen. Amen.